Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Get More Students podcast. I'm your co-host, Alex Asher, CEO of LearnCube. And I'm Herbert Gerzer, founder of HerbertGerzer.com. So what we're going to focus on in this episode is really a follow-on from two previous episodes that we've already done. We've done an episode on how you might start an online tutoring business in the modern era, shall we say. Uh, secondly, we talked about in a separate episode on how to market a new online tutoring business or language business. And in this episode, we're really going to be talking about those that have already started, have really started, you know, basically getting their their foundations in place. They've got enough customers to feel like they want to take it to the next level. And then this episode is about answering what do those people do? Is that right, Herbert? Yeah, it's about, uh, I guess, s- s- growing, growing your uh, existing tutoring business, uh, taking on more customers. And, and today we're going to uh, talk about exactly how to do that. Uh, one of the reasons we wanted to talk on this subject was because so many of LearnCube's customers actually fit into that boat. So we have a virtual classroom service, which is often for people that are starting out, which we've already talked about. But for those that are really professionalizing, we have our online school software. And the people that are wanting that software, this this episode is for you. Uh, because often you have enough customers to, you know, to have a business. You have actually maybe a number of teachers that are already working with you, but you're kind of missing that clarity. So what I'm also trying to bring today is that experience from helping lots and lots of small to medium-sized tutoring and language businesses. And uh, I think you've seen that whole journey (laughs) yourself as well, Herbert. Yes, I mean, kind of same situation here with uh, our digital ad agency. uh, uh, Established education businesses uh, come to us uh, to help them create, optimize, and manage their online marketing, paid ads campaigns, so that they can scale their services and uh, recruit more students. So, yeah, excited to share some insights today. Great. So with that in mind and knowing that you already have that base, we're really assuming a couple of things when you're listening in. One of the things that, unfortunately, even many of our customers um, overlook is they skip the section of finding that ideal target market. Uh, we have a separate episode on how to choose uh, your niche which we still believe is the most sure way for you to succeed in a otherwise very competitive market, and whether it be tutoring or language education, they're both very competitive. And what we're actually seeing is you're much more likely to be limited in terms of the size that you can grow to by competition, particularly direct competition, compared to the market size. There's, mm-hmm. in fact, a whole world out there, and that's why we're seeing so many wonderful niche products um, come to the market and find their audience because the the web and the, the way that globalization has worked means that you can find your customers in every part of the world. Um, so it's it's definitely something that I would really recommend you check out if you haven't already, our, our episode on choosing your niche. So I'm going to be assuming that you've already found your ideal target market. Now, this is an area that a lot of people have skipped. Herb and I feel both very passionately that if you're a small business without major funding, the best way for you to grow is to find a niche that suits you best and really aligns with your strengths and allows you to differentiate yourself from others in the market. And in fact, we really see it much more likely that you'll be limited by direct competition 
than the market size itself. And there are so many examples of where what people might consider small niche products have really found their audience and really become very, very successful businesses because they really understand their audience better than anybody else. So we're assuming you've found your target market and we're also assuming that you've got at least 20 students uh, because that's probably more than most tutors are willing to do just by themselves, but likely between 20 and 50 students. And usually that's through a bit of luck, a bit of hustle and some good referrals and word of mouth. And those are, that's usually how people get to this position where they're in the position to, for example, start investing in an online school software, start thinking about their marketing strategies, their channels. And this is what we're going to be talking about today is how to then grow to that next tier. I guess the first question is finding out what is working. Uh, and and doubling down on that. So knowing, you know, how did you acquire those 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 students? Um, I hope you are tracking that and you have a spreadsheet on on every single conversation or um, student um, that you have on your roster. And then really diving in to their avatars and personas. So um, even writing notes about client calls or if you have some sort of uh, free demo or free trial lesson or consultation, writing down what those people say to you. And then you can identify some patterns, whether it be, are they from you know, a specific city or country? Um, are they within a certain age range? Uh, what do they tell you are their pain points? You know, why, why do they need uh, to improve their language skills or, um, you know, w- whatever uh, you're offering so that you can also use that uh, in your marketing, in your messaging uh, to really narrow in on the niche and speak their language? Certainly at this point, particularly if you've got that 20 to 50 students, you're probably going to be faced with the same conundrum that most people are. You're going to have a spread. Mm. Now, I think the danger is to pick the outliers as part of the majority. At that point, you need to figure out where's the bulk of my students coming from and why did those, that bulk choose me? And that's kind of yeah. what you're talking about here. Exactly. Yeah. You've gone from when you're starting a business, and again, this is in that previous episode on how to market, You've gone through that experimentation process where at the start of the experiment, you didn't know what your niche was. You didn't know what was going to work. And now you're at the stage where you're now looking back on what has worked. And then you're going to discard the things that didn't and double down on what did. So you're going to be looking at demographics, psychographics, the goals and challenges and frustrations of those students. And again, the critical thing here is to be okay with Allowing outliers to be outliers, but to really hone in on who you're going to be talking to. With that in mind, we're now going to be dealing with the second part. So you've, you know your audience and we've gone through, um, you know, what the messaging is going to be for the, for, for that target market. So the second thing we're going to be talking about, uh, is looking back. What were the one, two or three <laughs> channels that really worked for you? Um, and mm. are working for you. And then the idea is, again, we're trying with a really simple strategy here is simply knowing what worked and doubling down. So the same thing here, knowing what worked out of those different channels and then really looking to optimize those because no doubt what you've started is a good base, but definitely you've got so much more that you can grow out of that. 
Definitely, and I think we uh, had a discussion, a discussion just uh, before um, this about, yeah, it, it's probably unlikely to be search. You know, someone yeah. googled you by chance, and all of a sudden you, you have ten students who just happen to Google you. Very <laughs> uh, As we all know, SEO takes a long time, um, which uh, doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. You should start as soon as possible um, yeah. because it's uh, crucial to long-term viability. So by all means, um, start that process immediately. Yeah. But I mean, most likely it's going to come from referrals or word of mouth. Yeah. Or, I mean, in our previous episode, we talked about uh, experimenting or testing different uh, social media platforms based on where you you think um, or where your audience is spending most of their time online. That could be a combination of Facebook, Instagram. Um, however, if you're targeting business professionals, that could be LinkedIn. And I, I know some independent tutors uh, who started on LinkedIn uh, recruiting students and now have have amazing small businesses um, with with teachers. So yeah, it's it's finding that one or two or three channels and really going hard on that now because you have your messaging, you have your niche um, in place and you know where to find them. One of the reasons that we're really encouraging at this point to rather than look for another possible new channel which may or may not work is just simply you don't have enough resources to be able to mm -hmm. follow a lot of other different ideas at this point. And so, again, it's just trying to prioritize and use what you've got. That's why I would definitely start with really spending the majority of your time on one channel, even though it might be the second and third that you want to start also honing up. Um, uh, I definitely want to reiterate as well with Herbert, for you to get to the next stage, SEO um, and people finding you through Google is going to be an important uh, part of your channel. And that's why if you start it now, that's going to pay dividends. But that's probably unlikely to be the one that's making you the most money or making you, uh, getting you the most leads to begin with. So one of the things uh, we also talked about was this idea of networking and strategic partners, because that's mm. often how people also get to that sort of middle to, to first, second, third tier of their business. Um, why? Because a lot of the time when you've chosen a niche, if you've chosen a niche that's just purely on a, loca on a geographical dimension, well, then often you can speak much closer and uh, faster and better with people in your local area. But there is going to be a point where that doesn't scale further. More likely your niche is going to be based on something about the, the kind of type of person that is coming to you and the mm -hmm. kinds of goals and challenges Less like, the reason we don't think it's likely to be uh, like choosing a niche as a location is a great idea is particularly if you're teaching and tutoring online, which is what we're really talking to you about today, you're going to max that out quite quickly. Like There's only so many people in a geographical area that are looking for that. Whereas uh, when you go for a niche, typically you've got a far bigger spread of geographies that you can go mm -hmm. after. And you can talk to them in a much more defined way than the competition. So that's the main difference is that you can speak much, much stronger than your competition can to your target market. Absolutely. I, I really love strategic partnerships and networking. Un undervalued. I mean, uh, if you're finding other 
people, organizations, companies that serve that same niche and forging a partnership with them like us, Alex. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's been fantastic. And uh, um, for your reputation, your standing, and also just reaching out to, to new audiences that you might not be able to reach out to um, yeah. through other means. One thing I would say as well um I know that I've we've got a lot of value out of working together, Herbert, but also part of that is not picking so many partners that you can't really do a great job and working with them. You kind of want, ideally, you want to pick a couple of partners that you're in almost like a weekly conversation with, um, mm. which we are, um, and it's fun. Um, but it also just means that you don't lose momentum that way. Uh, when you have loads of different partners, it's really easy to kind of forget and people to kind of put you in the box with all, all the others. So just pick a couple of partners that you think you can really grow with, which means that you have a similar value system to them. You want you have similar goals, you have similar target um, target customers. But those are all good indications that uh, this would be a good strategic partner for uh, partnership for you. But you're also going to start with some paid ads, and this is again where I pass it back <laughs> over to Herbert. This is his domain. So tell us about, well, last time we were talking about, you probably started with Facebook as your advertising channel for your experiment. But what mm. else do you think they need to know at this point? Right. I mean, you, you have your proof of concept. So uh, it's time to experiment and dedicate some budget to scaling through online advertising. And, and yes, Facebook is a fantastic platform um, to do that. Uh, just because it is one of the cheapest and uh, you also have much more creative freedom. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, what what do you need in order to do that? Uh, hopefully you would have already created a Facebook page for your uh, tutoring business uh, and you will need to also create a business manager um, where you will run the ads from. Uh, and also... From really from day one, uh, build your library of assets. Now, I, I know if, <laughs> day one will be very difficult, um, but as you get more students, more clients, and they are satisfied clients, you want to grab photos, videos, uh, testimonials, student success stories as often as possible to build up your library to use uh, as soon as you are ready to run uh, paid ad campaigns. So um, with that, you might have, you know, initially when you started, you might have used, I don't know, maybe something that felt very businessy. I don't know, maybe like a WebEx or uh, even sort of a Teams. And maybe that kind of experience was good. You know, you might have thought that, hey, my, my, my niche is going to be young professionals. But actually, when you looked at your 20 to 50 students now, actually, they're all students. And so maybe you're using LearnCube as a virtual classroom or you're using some other kind of mechanism. But those assets might have changed from the first you know, two weeks of or three weeks that you were kind of starting. So again, mm. building that library of assets is going to change over time. But that's one, one thing I would say is, um, while you might have, say, as I say, images of, say, screenshots from your classes, maybe doing something a bit more generic can be quite helpful in creating some longevity in those business assets as well. So um, even if you are using LearnCube's virtual classroom, Maybe the testimonial, try and do on something a bit more generic where you're just focusing on the student or, you know, there's, there's no kind of, you're not telling people what, you know, how you're delivering the service. You're just focusing on the main message. 
I don't know if you agree on that, Herbert. Yeah, uh, and that's where kind of stories are, you know, are very effective and and having it more like an an interview rather than, um, you know, talking about their experience, uh, you know, before they they started with you and during and also after, you know, reaching their goals and uh, showing the transformation that they made. Right. So one of the things I think, uh, on top of like we've we've really talked about like what do these channels look like and we really talked about discovering the ones that work and doubling down on that but the whole outcome of this is that you're growing a marketing funnel a channel mm. that creates a predictable flow of leads of prospects and that's the critical thing that you're trying to do so if you're experimenting widely on one-off pot- potential situations it's not that helpful that's why for example sometimes events can be helpful, but if it was just one event that only happens once a year, that's maybe predictable once a year, but it's not necessarily something that you're going to be able to kind of rely on year round. So that's why think about some channels that really either have an evergreen aspect to them or a flywheel approach where they just keep on getting better and better and better. Mm. Um, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that, Herbert, about the kinds of channels to really double down on. I mean, again, this really is dependent on on your your offer and your your target group. Mm. Um, you know, for example, for some of our language school clients, we've uh, we found Facebook Facebook ads just um, un- unbeatable uh, mm. compared to other channels. And so, just doubling down on that, expanding the the geographic area um, to to really grab uh, all possible leads. Yeah. One thing we won't go into depth here, but uh, is going to be critical for you is to really know your numbers, to really measure and improve those numbers. Now, I know, Herbert, you've probably got a lot um, that you can kind of talk about with those. (laughs) Um, But let's talk about that just at a kind of high level. And the fact that the third thing that we wanted you to to think about, uh, aside from knowing your your target market, um, from knowing your channels and really doubling down on those channels, but is the, the third thing is really optimizing the systems, the business systems. Marketing is a business system too, um, but it's really also about optimizing for conversions, meaning somebody actually buys your service. Mm. So how would you want to just lead the, the introduction into this kind of concept of how to start growing, you know, the, the way to grow your business is also by optimizing systems. Absolutely. I guess... Uh Many, many uh, kind of independent teachers and tutors might start off with a, a Facebook page or just even a WhatsApp account mm-hmm. and are very successful at acquiring, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 20 students. Uh, but I guess if you want to grow from an independent tutor to uh, an organization, then inevitably uh, you will need a website. Um, also, just to build trust with strangers now uh, that are coming in through all of these different organic and pay channels, uh, and also to build a brand story. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, the larger you get, uh, it, it, uh, the more you that you are taken out of it, and and really you want to build something that is bigger than you, since I assume that. Um, you will also have a team of um, tutors or teachers, um, staff members. And so, um, yeah, you want to build a story around your brand. One thing I think is important to mention, and particularly because I know that you've found it so successful, is when people are starting, and when I say starting, quite frankly, until they're really 
almost up to a medium to large size business, having the, your, you know, if you're the founder, having your face, having your personality driven throughout the brand is really powerful. So okay. certainly what we're not suggesting is to remove your face <laughs> and to start going generic and trying to pretend that you're something you're not. That's definitely not what we're trying to say, but it's about just in the same way we're trying to find the right channels. Um, you're building blocks to be able, you know, you're building that foundation. And one of the other things we were kind of talking about was this idea of you're kind of looking back now. You've done these experiments. Now you're kind of observing what what is actually reality. Before you started those experiments, you were just forecasting. You were hypothesizing about what your values would be, what your personality online or in the classroom would be. And now you know a lot um, about what that is. And so your brand stories are going to become more and more important, and particularly in terms of differentiating yourself. Mm. And of course, um, the, the larger you grow, the more important systems become um, automating certain aspects of yeah. your um, service delivery or you know, sales process, yeah. uh, whether that be uh, you know, uh, installing a shopping cart so people can register or purchase um, yeah. on your website without any contact uh, with, a, with a real person. Um, yeah, and then directing traffic to to that one thing i'd say on that particularly from our own experience with working with so many online language schools and online tutoring businesses is i wouldn't recommend taking you if you're the founder um out of the equation too early trying Mm. to go straight into a frictionless automated service i think can sometimes do you a disservice because um it means that you don't have enough connection. And, and at the, when you're starting, you're just desperate for data points. You just don't have enough data to know what's going to work or not. So one thing I tend to recommend anyone that's starting to use our online school is to still create, still have a little bit of manual interaction with students because it allows, it gives you a lot more permission to mm. work things out. Whereas as soon as you automate something, that's all somebody will like, you know, will, will judge you on. It's like mm. it was easy or it wasn't. Whereas if you've got some manual interaction, even if you don't have a really – like maybe you send them – initially when people are starting, people won't start with our online school. They'll just start with our virtual classroom, and then they might send a PayPal link. Now, if you send it with a really nice email, people will be happy that it's a slightly more difficult way than just putting in your credit card details from the website and immediately mm. signing up and, and choosing a time. They're far more, and I don't even know if forgiving is the right word, but they probably quite like it. And that's often how people have started that, that first seed of customers because they've created a more personal experience. So one of my tips there is when you're optimizing systems, don't try and over-engineer or over-automate everything to begin with. You don't need something that does absolutely everything to begin with. That's why we even have our online school light which is for solopreneurs and then we have our online school which has you know more features for role permissions and those sorts of things because again inevitably your operations uh do need to get a much get get much cleaner and more streamlined as you grow but um that's also what you're selling like eventually if you did want to sell the business your business operations your platform and how everything works is the the thing that adds value to the buyer so Again, please don't over-engineer. Like we've often had people that have never delivered a, a lesson and want to use our online school. It's like, no, you probably want to start with the students, make mm. sure that you're delivering a great service, and then you might um, decide to streamline what you already have going rather than 
worrying too much at the beginning, you know, am I choosing this or that? Yeah, I, I love the more kind of slow and steady approach. <laughs> uh, on the, the next point, so once you've uh, optimized your operations, it's really about creating a consistent and high quality service. So that's why operations is important because it's about creating consistency. But what are the other areas about creating that consistent high quality service that you would recommend, Herbert? Having a very, uh, having some processes. So if you have a team, having like a playbook or some standard operating procedures yeah. um, to take out the guesswork. Um, especially for customer service. Uh, yeah. If you, uh, at some stage, don't reply to all of the, the emails coming in and you have someone doing that, then yeah. you know, what, what are they supposed to say? How are they handling complaints and yeah. um, feedback? So um, that is something to build on and always uh, improve. Um, yeah. yeah. And when you start, don't worry about creating massive protocols because you're still learning. You're still trying to figure sure. it all out. Uh, but just even bullet pointing high level, you know, what you did that got a good a positive impact. And the reason that's important is it means that a it's easier to use in the future. Uh, but yeah, you're just you're showing that you're learning and you're showing that you're optimizing. So we talked a little bit about um, your your processes there about that high quality service, but it's also about your digital assets as well, isn't it, Herbert? Yeah. Um, so whether that be, I mean. Depending on on your school, having some kind of lead gen assets like ebooks or maybe mini training videos, um, you know, some some excellent ways to build your email list. Uh, and then I think part of that high quality service is is starting to really be more aware of what your values are, and then being able to communicate those really well. And not only is that important for you to start building your brand and showing how unique you are and the unique service that you provide, but it makes it just much easier for you to train your staff. If you train your staff by values in terms of what is important to the, the organization, what makes the organization the organization and it makes it quite unique, it's just so much more effective than trying to rule with a rule book uh, because otherwise everything needs a rule and a protocol, which becomes totally tiresome and most tutors that will work for you will tend mm. to move away to something that gives them a bit more freedom and shoots them a little bit more humanely, I'd probably yeah. say as well. Yeah. So with that in mind, uh, I think we could actually have a long conversation about how you create a more consistent and high-quality service, but we're going to go to the fifth and final aspect, which is just simply once you've got these customers is how to keep them with you, so improving the lifetime value of those customers, and how can you... Extract value is, I think, the wrong wording. Uh, what would you say, uh, Herbert, that doesn't feel as enough? Because there is. It's, it is really about adding more value and people buying more stuff, but stuff that they need. How would you describe that? Increasing the, the lifetime value. of okay. um, Yeah, it's, it's not extracting value, but um, it's increasing your, your value and also yeah. theirs. You know, they're getting more from you. Um, it, it's a two-way street. <laughs> Adding value is probably the right Adding way. value, yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah. So getting your upsells right, getting your cross-sells right, knowing what products you're offering, but not getting too distracted with lots of different options mm. is, I think, really critical. Yeah. But we're going to uh, use that as a way of finalizing today's episode. So today's episode, what we really covered was uh, all about how to take your tutoring business to the next level, particularly if you're a small and established business. What we discussed here was 
about really, firstly, knowing your target market and being very clear on that. You should be able to know that from the experiments you've already made in the past. Secondly, was about discovering and really knowing which are the one to three channels that work best for you and really double down on those. And we really talk through what those channels can be and how you can uh, you can go and do do that. And we actually have a lot of other episodes that can take you everything from some you know WhatsApp or Facebook advertising or YouTube advertising. We've got it all uh, either in the Get More Students uh, podcast, which you're hearing now, uh, and or also the LearnCube YouTube channel where we have a lot of our what we call our Get More Students webinars, and we actually record that once a month. So you should also check those out and also join us in the live events. From those channels, you should be looking at, thirdly, optimizing your systems to convert more customers. Fourthly, was all about creating a much more consistent and high-quality service that you can scale up, that other people can join you on. And finally, looking for ways to add value to your customers so that you can grow you know, a bigger business from even the same number of customers, which is what you want and you have uh, a much better relationship with those customers. I hope you've enjoyed today. I know that both Herbert and I have enjoyed it. Herbert, where are people going to find more about, particularly like Facebook advertising? I know that a lot of people will be interested in what you do, particularly as an, uh, as an agency. Absolutely. They can find out more about our ad agency uh, through herbertgerzo.com. And yeah, feel free to book in a strategy call to discuss uh, your paid ad strategy. Fantastic. And likewise, if you liked what you heard today and you are one of those businesses that is looking to take their business to the next level, the LearnCube online school is possibly the product for you. Um, you can find more at www.learncube.com. And if you're not quite there, you can also look at, about, at our virtual classroom software there too. So thanks so much for listening in. And please uh, hit the subscribe button. We'd love to help you more. We've got another great guest coming up on the, the next future episode. So hit that subscribe button and we'll see you next time. Catch you in the next one.